Madison Square Garden pretty much says it all in the heart of New York City. And if you made it you know, in Madison Square Garden, then you were made a better anywhere in the world. Welcome to Madison Square Garden. So listen, I was just doing a little research there, going over my knowledge uh, matches at the Coliseum, which I remember a lot of matches. But you go check out the data and see what actually was there, and man, there wasn't that many. <laughs> well, at the at the Garden, there was a lot. Yeah, not at the Nassau Coliseum. It was very limited to like that very 80s feel. So you had WrestleMania 2. It's one of the closed circuit locations as well for WrestleMania 3. Uh, you what had Saturday Night's main event was there. Was it WrestleMania 2, 3 locations? Yes, correct. Yeah, it was at Chicago, L.A., and New York. That was Vince McMahon being greedy as fuck. Yeah, that was him testing things out. But, you know, back then, they, he was still in that territorial mindset. His dad ran that Northeast Territory, WWF, WWWF. And Nassau Coliseum, the Meadowlands in Jersey, and Madison Square Garden were his trifecta home bases. The rumor was the only reason WWE headquarters is in Stamford, Connecticut, because at the time, they were just trying to avoid that New York City tax and then a different state. And it's hard to believe that somehow people are going to Connecticut to escape taxes. But that's what yeah. he did. And he's at Exit 9, Stamford, Connecticut. You see Titan Tower. And now they're building a new one. But MSG was always their de facto home away from home. I used to date somebody in Connecticut. So I'd be riding bike and I'd ride down past and I'd be like, oh, look at that. <laughs> and now they do that show where they're going back and, and, and finding like all memorabilia. Oh. So now there's all the shit that's inside that place. And I'm like, oh, oh you're talking like about a, treasure hunters. That's like a, a kid candy store for me right there. Seeing all that old stuff. Yeah, absolutely. They... You know, they have a couple of the, they have also have like an offsite TV location somewhere in Connecticut. And then that warehouse, I believe, is in Norwalk, Connecticut. But they are working towards having a physical Hall of Fame. And they're actually discussing about putting it in Florida 
instead of New York, which I'm a little torn on. I, I guess they want it to be like more near a tourist attraction. But I believe MSG, Madison Square Garden, has a small little wing of like somewhat of like a small Hall of Fame that WWE is yeah, in. Yeah, you got to get a ticket to go to a game there or something and then happen to just stroll past it. Yeah, I mean, so this is the fourth iteration of Madison Square Garden. And, you know, Mario, you're not from New York, so you were asking about that earlier. Yeah, I've never been to MSG. Can't really say I have any stories about it, but I didn't even even realize that thing about WrestleMania you said earlier. Yeah, it was the first location for the very first WrestleMania and then WrestleMania 10 and 20. But it launched WrestleMania, it launched SummerSlam, it launched The Rock. There was a lot of stuff that was born out of that fourth iteration in Madison Square Garden. Square Garden right there near Penn Station. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Madison Square Garden. Gorilla Monsoon here at Ringside with my two esteemed colleagues, Mean Gene Oakland, and of course, his lordship, Alfred Hayes. Gentlemen, it's going to be excitement personified. I don't know if you knew this, so the first Madison Square Garden was a, I don't want to get anybody's hopes up here, was a topless venue. In 1879. Oh, it was the world's largest strip club? <laughs> yeah. So it had no roof, and it was actually leased out by P.T. Barnum. That was another guy whose home seemed to be Madison Square Garden. Correct, right? You always grew up with that P.T. Barnum and Bailey Circus, Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus. We always saw that commercial on WPIX. One of the stories about that, which I wish I would have gotten to see, is, you know, when they were in the garden and then they transferred to the National Coliseum for the next show, it was always at the garden first. They took the animals and stuff, like, paraded through the tunnel. The circus doesn't even really, are they allowed to have animals anymore? Didn't they ban? No, it's Circus doesn't exist anymore. Right? It doesn't. I know it's basically Cirque du Soleil. It was all it was all too cruel. What you can't have you can't have elephants prisoner anymore. You can't (laughs) you know, you can't have clowns being humiliated. It's not PC. I can only imagine like a parade of animals going from Manhattan, New York down to Long Island. In a way, you know, when you sit here and think about it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, why would you parade them through the tunnel just to put them in a vehicle and drive another 15, 20 minutes? Right. <laughs> you know, and this isn't the first time that P.T. Barnum and Vince McMahon were used in the same context. Before there was the MSG network, it was basically Channel 6, and they would have a closed circuit feed basically going to Channel 6, and we would get WWF shows once a month. You remember that, right? Well, I thought it was a little more frequent than once a month because then you got one, and then you caught one in Spanish. Oh, yes, you did. You got the Spanish feed. Yeah, you had to get the Spanish feed. And what us kids did back then is we watched it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> We had no other option. Because we wanted to get that wrestling in. This was all before Monday Night Raw. They had primetime wrestling on USA. Vince was still basically toying with television. But even before primetime, earlier than that, like in the 80s, like 83, when you saw, and you're going to remember this. I don't know if Mario, you're going to remember this. It was a huge deal when Jimmy Superfly Snuka jumped off the top of the cage. Oh. 
He did it twice. He did it for Morocco and he did it for Bob Backlund. But this would have been what you would have considered a pay-per-view. But this was just something we saw on Channel 6. I don't remember that. Uh, One of my first matches that I ever watched um, was Bob Backlund, Jimmy Superfly Snooker in the Steel Cage. Use that as what grabbed me into wrestling. Hell yeah. Because, first of all, Bob Backlund looked like the gym teacher. Uh, right. You know, back- <laughs> he may have actually been a gym teacher. And then um, you, you had Superfly Snooker, who was this island guy, hair all curly, barefoot, you know, the leopard print shorts. And then he gets on top of the rope, and then he flies another 15 feet higher. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I don't know if he was bloody for that one. He was definitely bloody for Morocco. But that was, like you said, I remember talking at school the next day about that match because everyone was just like mesmerized that he went off the top of the cage and that was at the garden and here's the thing a lot of people don't realize it was such an iconic moment he lost that match he did it after the match yeah but this is what what we remember like we remember the bloody face right um the cage you know we remember snooker flying never remember who won the match it didn't matter who won the match we saw some of the most exciting things that we've seen on TV at that time. A lot of the vet vets, that's what they talked about when wins and losses do not matter. You have to go out there and become a star. And sometimes becoming a star means you're going to lose and you're going to become a star doing it. And we saw Stone Cold do it many years later, but that was back in the day when Snuka did that and he became a star because I believe he was a heel when he was wrestling Bob Backlund, and eventually then he did become a babyface because how can you not like, you said, how can you not like this guy that looked like he was straight out of the island? He was, you know, he was ripped to shreds in his Tarzan trunks, diving off the cage. 20,000 plus throwing bananas here in Madison Square Garden as the Superfly flies. But they never gave him a title. No. Nowadays, I guess he would be considered canceled if you watch Dark Side of the Ring. But back then, before all that that stuff happened, he was on the list of the top guys that never got a title run, even though they drew money. They were stars. They were creating fans. They were putting butts in seats, selling tickets, and he never got a title. And he should have. Even before Hogan, he was Vince McMahon's most bankable star that he had the samoans came around around that time too and that was another island vibe um and the samoans got plenty of chances you know with captain lou albano as as their manager i wish superfly would have gotten opportunity just sitting here thinking in my head jimmy snooker would have been the people's champion no matter if you love good guys or bad guys um everybody loves snooker 100 percent, 100 percent. annoya fam there's still to this day there's lineage there with you know with roman reigns and the usos they trace back to the Samoans and Jimmy Snuka. But you're right. They were major stars that people paid money to want to see. And that was born from the Garden. And a lot of people forget that Jimmy Snuka was part of the WrestleMania main event. When Hulk Hogan, I mean Hulk Hogan and Mr. T versus Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff and Roddy Piper, Snuka was in Hogan and Mr. T's corner. That's how over he was because that was when Hulkamania was really starting to ramp up and that WrestleMania was ramp up and Vince knew that Jimmy Snuka was 
a big enough star that he should be in that main event, even though he was just a corner man and he didn't get a lot of time in that ring. I remember fans like us were like, oh, Snooker's there, but why is he not doing anything? Snooker was giving, wait- giving Mr. T the rub. Yeah, he was. A lot of the wrestlers back then weren't really a fan of that whole Mr. T. Uh, no, there was some good stuff. R.I.P. Roddy Piper, but there's some stuff out there that they were not going to just let some actor come in and get over on them. And that's why Piper was adamant that he was not going to be the one that was getting pinned. He schooled Mr. T a little bit. If you watch that match, you can tell when he was snug versus when he was working with him. And they're going nose to nose. nose. Mr. T and Rowdy Roddy Piper nose to nose in the center of the ring. Look at this. They're exchanging sweat. Oh! Piper now goes behind quickly. Takes him down to the canvas. Mr. T was the nice sit out. Switch but didn't get out. Sit out and turn it again by Mr. T and Piper riding him. Some of the shows they have now, Dark Side might might be. Uh, I watched part of that where Piper was not pleased with with that and how he was very vocal about it and didn't care if Mr. T was standing right there because to Roddy Piper, he was part of the top echelon of the WWE at the time. And like you said, he wasn't letting this actor come in. I don't care, Club of Lang, Mr. T, whatever you want to be. You know, he wasn't coming in letting you. I know you're not pinning me. It was a pride thing for him. Right. Uh, but he earned that. He paid his dues. And it's like he got this guy coming in just because he's an actor and, and you know, a big draw name. You're not going to come get what I've been working my ass off for. I think all the wrestlers were like that back then just because they were protecting kayfabe. But they also started to realize that we can make money. You know, this was the number one wrestling event when it started to become a household name. The recognized symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. Pay-per-view didn't exist yet, but they had closed circuit no. location. You can go to the movie theater and sit and watch, go watch WrestleMania from Madison Square Garden through a closed circuit feed. Now we see that a lot, but back then that was a huge deal. And you knew you weren't getting tickets because when you saw, I mean, that was a spectacle. I mean, back then it was a big deal to have Billy Martin. Still, he was a New York celebrity, but I mean, people knew who he was. You know, he's the Yankee manager. They had Liberace there. You couldn't get a ticket. So they knew that there was going to be a huge demand. Who's who? of celebrities was at WrestleMania at the Garden. But just think, if this is a, you know, 15,000. Right now, they're going to WrestleMania. They're planning on selling out 100,000 seats in Dallas. Twice. Yeah. Double that. But back then, for the first WrestleMania, the Garden carried that much weight. They didn't call it New York's most famous. It was the world's most famous arena. Madison Square Garden Network presents... Mario, you mentioned that you have not been to the Garden before. No, I've never been. It's very unique as to how you enter the Garden. It's very unique as to the location of the Garden Drop Center of New York City. And you really cannot tell that this is an arena. Step inside that building, inside the main arena, and you look up and you see that iconic ceiling. And this happens every time you go. It doesn't matter. I've been there dozens of times. It doesn't matter. You get this tingle in your belly like, wow, I'm here. And you start looking up and you look at all the rafters. You know, Billy Joel sold out shows. The uh, you know, Rangers, Knicks, all this stuff. It is an amazing place. <laughs> After you're done taking it in, you're like, this is all it is? Yeah. <laughs> Smaller than it looks on TV. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I was reading and it said that it had over $1 billion of renovations over a three-year period for the latest iteration, which this is the fourth version of Madison Square Garden. But a $1 billion second renovation took place over three off-seasons. That's a lot of money for a small building, but that just goes to show how important that building is. It's the prestige, right, of that building. It it doesn't matter what what you're in, if you're in any form of entertaining, if you're into wrestling, if you're into singing, if you're into dancing, if you're an athlete, you made it. Once you can perform in Madison Square Garden. So not just set it right. If you can make it there, you make it anywhere. And the garden was, especially for athletes, whether it's wrestling, basketball, play in the garden, it's important. Because Chris Jericho, right, his dad played for the New York Rangers, and he knew the prestige. You know, it was a big deal when my dad played hockey here, and now I get to actually wrestle there. And how great is it I went from the Moose Hall in Pinocchio to Madison Square Garden, the most famous arena in the world in New York City, baby! We have Nassau Coliseum. It doesn't do it for you emotionally. Back in my days, I've, I've played soccer there plenty of times at, uh, after New York Arrows games. Not too long ago, when I was coaching the college hockey team, we played after Islander Ranger game, CW Post, beat the snot out of them 17-1. And, you still, and all I kept saying, I wish it was at the Garden. yeah there was something about nassau coliseum that it always felt like the little cousin oliver to msg's brady yeah brady family that it had that it's still new york but it wasn't wasn't the garden wasn't the garden maybe because it was more home for us because it was on the island versus being in the city right so we didn't get that feeling like hey we're going to the city to the garden you know we're going down the highway we'll be there in about 20 minutes <laughs> <laughs> so how many seats are in the garden then depends on what seating is there right the configuration uh, because i think conscious they get like twenty four thousand because they can add more to on the floor looking here for basketball the capacity is nineteen thousand. ice hockey's 18 pro wrestling's 18 for concerts they think they can get 20 and then boxing for 20 so i guess it's all the configuration of the stage so that's that's kind of amazing to me when you think about like something like uh texas stadium and how big that is that just seems like obscenely huge right i've never been there but i can remember because i'm from san antonio and all we had is the spurs we used to have the hemisphere arena i don't know if you remember that hemisphere arena it's it was also like right downtown in the middle of town and it was a small venue that you wouldn't think was a basketball venue at all sort of like walked across from the mall and it was there but you know the thing is, is like it was small and i remember just being packed in there and full of people and now when i think of these like larger venues now I think of like, I miss that sort of like really just cozy, packed in feeling of being right on top of the game. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was like no bad seats anywhere. You have to go to minor league sports now to get that type of atmosphere because that's part of what they do um, when, when they construct these facilities for these teams. They want you to be right there on top of the action, uh, feel part of it. Um, it's a shame that they don't do that in, in, in professional sports. Uh, and when they do, the regular Joe Schmo can't afford to that opportunity. I headlined Madison Square Garden more times than any individual athlete in the history of the Garden. I'm not talking about team sports like hockey or basketball and that. I'm talking about individual performance. And, I, and I'm very proud of that, you know, because I appeared there over 200 times. So Bruno San Martino, he was the Hulk Hogan before Hulk Hogan. That was when it was house shows were very important. And he sold out madison square garden months at a time every month if he was on top he would sell out there just think the star power that you need with no tv no internet 
basically the the word of mouth and commercials that you were going to go out to to the garden to see Bruno fight. Bruno San Martino, we know of him because his, his as as we got into it when we were young kids, he was toward the end of his career. Yeah. But then he picked up, he started announcing. So they would throw a lot of flashbacks, a lot of clips to familiarize you with who Bruno San Martino was. That was a big dude. He was a big dude. Uh, he, he just looked like that regular, you know, brawler. He has a he fascinating just, story, like his true life story. And I think they're actually making a movie about it, you know, when he had basically escape communism and he was like hiding in the mountains and this mean, is a kayfabe movie that's like a legit if you heard his story like he almost died in the mountains of like malnutrition and then he came over as an immigrant and he was tired of being small so he's just like i'm gonna get big and then he turned into freaking bruno san martino who he held the record for a steroid free bench press world record at the time was like 525 pounds but he did that raw no supplements nothing i realized that your ears are all nasty and naughty. I know that your nose is smeared all over your face. There is nothing wrong with me. Do you think in your wildest dreams after 15 years that you could even come close? I faced the best in the world and if you were around 15 years ago, I would have squashed you like a grape and I'll squash you like a grape now. Bruno Sammartino sold out Madison Square Garden 188 times and was named the world's strongest man, and he held the belt for 2,803 days, consecutive days. I believe Bob Backlund held it for like a stupid amount of years. Yeah, he came close. He was going to be the heir apparent to Bruno Sammartino, and then Vince Jr. took over, and then he was like, no, we got this guy, Hulk Hogan. Obviously, when you think of Madison Square Garden, you have to think of Hulk Hogan because that's where... Hulkamania was born, I believe, January 23rd, 1984, pre-WrestleMania. Again, no WrestleManias yet. The Iron Sheik fought Bob Backlund. Bob Backlund was in the camel clutch. Arnold Skolin threw in the towel. The rumor was that Arnold screwed Bob Backlund. That, that might have been a shoot that Bob Backlund was not going to let the Sheik take the title off him. But you can't tell because they're very protective of kayfabe. But then, like a month later, who's going to fight? Bob Backlund's not going to fight for his rematch. Who's going to fight? It was Hulk Hogan. And then right there, Hulkamania was born right there in Madison Square Garden. Hulk Hogan matched the energy of Madison Square Garden. There's not too many people just... The entrance music was enough to send an arena wild. Hulk Hogan and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Now, I got to see Stone Cold in the garden and witness that whole thing. These are like my icons growing up to get to see them in the garden. Everybody knew to bring their A-game when they were wrestling in the garden. So the ones that came before them, like we were talking about Bruno... We were talking about Jimmy Snuka and even Sergeant Slaughter. The matches between Sergeant Slaughter and Iron Sheik in Madison Square Garden were 
top notch. I mean, these were WrestleMania level matches because they would set them up on the Saturday morning TV. Back then, they would, you know, the TV was to set up for the house show, right? Yeah. They set up that Sergeant Slaughter and Iron Sheik had that face off, like, oh man, it's perfect. And now Sergeant Slaughter, who was a heel at the time, turned babyface, and they had some massive matches at Madison Square Garden. Every Saturday morning, we had a pay-per-view event. And this is a part of my disconnect from wrestling now is that we don't have that excitement that we had back then. Like in an hour show of wrestling, back then we had 45 minutes of wrestling. Yeah. We're getting 25, 30 minutes of the storyline. Yeah, that's great. I understand that. That's part of selling the story. But you used to do it in a different way where you didn't need to spend all your time telling the story. You just showed the story. And people, if you came in the middle, you'd still understand where you're at. Oh, oh, wow, he's pissed off at him. You know, it's something that you understand. But I have this thought. I had the pleasure of teaching Mick Foley's son. I had a business where we did uh, baseball lessons. And Mick was a very big Ducks fan. Brought his kid Huey and these guys all to the game. So we're giving lessons and stuff. And Dave LaPointe. Uh, had this thing where Mick Foley invited Dave to watch a WrestleMania match. In turn, Mick wanted to watch a World Series with somebody that was in the World Series, and they invited me over. So I was at Mick Foley's house watching the World Series when the White Sox won, and he told us, and talk about stories, listening to some of the stories. Oh, yeah. A couple of months ago, I was driving my daughter uh, back to her college in New York City. We're driving down, I think, 7th Avenue, uh, and I, off in the distance, I see the, the garden marquee and it's advertising upcoming uh, events. And I start to think, wow, I wonder if they're going to show the Hall of Fame. And here comes WWE Hall of Fame. And then inside, I think, I wonder if they're going to show me. And it's hope against hope because I don't believe I'd ever actually been on the marquee. And there I was, Mick Foley, full color picture taking up the entire marquee. And I turned to my door, I said, no, wow, Dad's on the marquee at Madison Square Garden. And just then, a semi truck pulled up next to us obscuring her view and uh, when the truck pulled away i was i was no longer there to this day she thinks i made up the story about being in the marquee on madison square garden mick foley you know he's a long island guy so he understands the importance he was actually in the front row when jimmy snooker went off the top of the cage he was there he searched there's a picture of a young mick foley who said he had hitchhiked to the garden so he can watch that live and that's what inspired him to like i need to have that jimmy snooker moment that he had in the garden and that inspired him to go off the top of the cage so it wouldn't have happened if there was no jimmy snooker off the top of the cage at the garden i mean it was influenced legends incredible we've talked before just listening to some of the stories that you tell you know it, it, it's it's incredible you know baby rock before nobody knew who he was you should have bought him dinner that night man go down to dunkin donuts get the biggest jelly donut you can find his debut was at the garden like i was there for his debut of just like getting in the ring is wwe gonna use this guy but his actual wwe debut was at the survivor series as rocky Maivia was also at madison square garden so he is another one and obviously his dad rocky soul man johnson they fend in the titles with tony atlas that was a big thing so he knew the importance 
importance of the garden too. Well, these guys who coming in, like uh, you know, as a legacy to to the sport, the the history is passed down. The importance is passed down. Like uh, I, I currently right now, I started working for NAX Wrestling. James Bonavia is a, a guy who runs and heads this one. His grandfather is a legend from the Isle of Malta, weighing two hundred seventy three pounds. Baron Mikel Cicluda. Comes with pure passion, and he's still, like, even putting on the production, it has to be 100% authentic. And he said to me, like, he's gone to wrestling. Whenever it's in the garden, he goes. He said he picks something up every time. And he said it, it, it doesn't happen when you go other arenas, but there's something about the garden, like you said, Everyone has to bring their A game when they're at the garden. So that's when you get a lot of things that you might not see, a lot of creativity that you might not have seen before. Absolutely. And this is, again, it's not secluded to New York. It was a big deal before TV when Mil Mascaras, you know, we're big Lucha fans here. When he came from Mexico, it was a big deal. He talked about how important it was for him to wrestle in the garden and, you know, how big he was in Mexico. Antonio Inoki was just as big in Japan, and was he talked about what a big deal it was to wrestle in Madison Square Garden. There's just something about that building, and maybe there's a ley line underneath it or something, geography they can study underneath of it. What magic is in that spot right there that it just brings out the best of people, whether it's in sports or in entertainment? I mean, you're talking about Billy Joel, you're talking about Elvis, you're talking about Elton John. I mean, big stadium shows, they'll play all these big stadium shows, but then they got to play the garden too. You didn't play a big stadium until you played the garden. Right. Mario was talking about seating and for you have the new uh the stadium uh, for the cowboys where you know what 110 120,000 yeah. jerry world yeah 110,000 yeah i would love to see that place uh, up close there the jumbotron is bigger than some arenas oh absolutely uh, i mean mario and i we went to that wrestlemania 32 yeah it was not a very good wrestlemania but it was a great experience as far as like going in there and i caught myself i was like i got to stop looking at that jumbotron because i can watch TV from home. Right, I, yeah. I want. I'm here to watch the live wrestling, but that screen just literally pulls your face up that you have no choice. It brings you to it, right? You yeah, were, I mean, you got to face it. That stadium is so huge. Where if you're sitting in um, wherever you're sitting, it's it's hard to see. Yeah, it's hard to <laughs> see. Like it's small. Yeah, that ring looked tiny. That ring it looked, looked really tiny. tiny, and it was funny to me that. Uh, you know, there were some folks sitting behind us when we were there, and they were obviously from the East Coast, and they had a lot of commentary going on, you know what I mean? <laughs> and we're nowhere near being heard by anyone. It was constant. The WrestleMania people make pilgrimages started from the Garden. And think, the Garden launched WrestleMania, SummerSlam, and the Survivor Series, and the very first Elimination Chamber were all from Madison Square Garden. From time to time, I would bring up the new arenas were popping up all around the country, that they certainly were attractive marketplaces for us in the future and he said yes he said but remember one thing the garden will always be the garden they had wrestlemania one at the garden then they had the 10-year anniversary then they had the 20-year anniversary and then i thought well maybe for the 30-year anniversary they're going to end up at like metlife so they're at least new york ish and then maybe they can just have like a satellite feed of some matches from the garden but i think at that time you know vince is like you know he's in 
crazy billionaire mode and he's not really concerned with history like he would have before because there's a lot of history wwf specific history there that it's a big deal when ring of honor was trying to run a show there and new japan was trying to run a show there it was exciting but at the same time and andrew you, you would know this maybe more than mario just there was a weird they're invading our territory kind of thing this is the house that wwf built this isn't you know, a, just a wrestling venue we felt that we were being not betrayed but the way who like when they came up with the other wrestling they, they you know they we had our saturday morning wrestling and then there was somebody they threw uh maybe that was turned on channel 11 they they throw something on and I never caught into that. I never, even when the Four Horsemen started coming over, I could never buy into it because my loyalty was like to Vince McMahon. Yeah, finding out doing you know some of the history later that some of our good talent, our superstars, came from over there. <laughs> yeah, all of them. Pretty much all right. of them. There wasn't a lot of homegrown talent. And that was something, even Rock, if there's any truth to the, the show that they have, you know, The Rock, uh, I started watching that not too long ago. But even these guys were starting out somewhere else, yeah. smaller, before you know they got to a point where now they were maybe at top pay for where they were. So now it's time to let's 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 call Vince McMahon and see what we can do. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely true. That making it in the garden was a big deal, but you did have to start somewhere. But like you said, a lot of the big stars were already making money in different locations. The Rock being one of the few that wasn't making any money until he made it. He would be like probably the first that you would consider like WWE like homegrown. From the more modern era. Because back then, NWA was just like a group of territories and just like, okay, Vince McMahon Sr., Northeast is your territory. And that happened to have the garden in there. It was a big deal, too, because they would do stuff at Madison Square Garden before TV where they would have house shows where something big would happen. And they don't do that anymore. Well, you could get away with that, couldn't you? Yeah. There was no Twitter where it would be leaked immediately. Yeah, exactly. That was it. So they're like, we got this fan cam, you know, that actually, and it looks like somebody from the fourth row recording, you know, Bob Backlund losing the title to Diesel on a house show that wasn't supposed to be televised. But you would expect it at the Garden. Anything could happen at a house show at the Garden. All right, hi again, folks. Here are the Big Apple, Madison Square garden a tremendous world wrestling federation card ted dibiase bam bam bigelow king kong bundy did i mention that matchup in the return orndorff and rude to, to me also you're going to be seeing the ladies in action the glamour girls of jimmy hart are going to be on hand they are something else come on in ultimate warrior also on the card macho man randy savage things have not been the same i don't know if they can ever be returned to any level of sanity for you for elizabeth but i know one thing you've got the honky talk man here in the garden on November the 24th. Madison Square Gardens, yeah, on the 24th. Yeah, your team, yeah. The Honky Tonk Man's team in the Survivor Series better get themselves a new captain because you ain't going to make it. You're not going to make it to the Survivor Series. I got you in Madison Square Gardens, the home, the macho man, Randy Savage. So talking about wrestlers, another wrestler that stands out in my mind that really shined at the Garden is Triple H. Yeah. Hunter Helmsley, he is one who was built for the spotlight. If you know Triple H, you know Paul. He's a historian of this business. But he was also trained, I believe he was in, he's from like New Hampshire or Massachusetts. He was trained by Killer Kowalski, so he was a Northeast guy. Triple H has numerous, on the top 20 here, he has numerous spots. So he was number two. His return 
Yeah. After a big hiatus for her first Monday Night Raw episode of 2002, was the biggest standing ovation in his career. That was at MSG. The other one that's on this list that when Cactus Jack for the first time, him wrestling as Cactus Jack, not as Mankind, not as Mick Foley, not as Dude Love, as wrestling as Cactus Jack was against Triple H in the Garden. And then you had the Elimination Chamber, which Shawn Michaels, when he came back, was at the Garden with Triple H. And then you had the match where, unfortunately, Chris Benoit was involved, so it gets hidden. But WrestleMania 20 was Benoit versus Shawn Michaels versus Triple H. It was also at the Garden, and Triple H had the belt. He had numerous, numerous career-creating moments at the Garden. Garden, yeah. A lot of family legacy, uh, the Von Erichs, favorite with the claw. You know, you know how many people got the claw because of him? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Growing up north, I was not lucky enough to wrestle at the Garden. I got to practice wrestling at Nassau Coliseum, but never got my garden shot. But I did get to wrestle in the Dallas, Texas version of Madison Square Garden, which was the sportatorium home of the Von Erichs and the Iron Claw. Welcome to World Class Championship Wrestling. A major league of professional wrestling seen around the world and across the nation. Right here from the Sportatorium in Dallas, Texas. It was nowhere near the prestige of Madison Square Garden, I can tell you that. <laughs> what venues even have closer to that prestige anymore? I feel like a lot of older venues, classic venues, have been torn down. I feel like, yeah, Boston, they're all closing down, right? Boston Garden, I would say. Boston Garden is one. Yeah, that's uh, it. They, they've had a lot of uh, special wrestling matches there for sure. Is that still there, or did they just rebrand it? They went the route that modern the days are going, where they they sold their soul. It's still there, but isn't you know, it funny it, that the closest thing you can get to you know that in New York with MSG is the only other baseball stadium that does not need a brand name because they are a brand name, and that's Yankee Stadium. It's like you're not going to get you know T-Mobile Yankee Stadium. You're not going to get Chick Fil A Yankee Stadium. It's Yankee Stadium. It's one of the few yeah. that's left. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I, Apple will buy it one day. Yeah, Apple Yankees. Family <laughs> would never go for it. No, they, the, the family would have to be gone because that it's a pride thing for them, and it just to say you, you, I didn't have to sell myself. You know, it still bothers me that it's not Shea Stadium. I call it Shea when I drive by, and they're like, "What? I just see city." This is baseball, Major League Baseball. Let me go through these quick lists here. I want to make sure we don't miss. I think we already covered a lot of them. Mr. Perfect and uh, Bret Hart. Yeah, that was SummerSlam. That was, again, that was Bret Hart's coming out party as in I am a top singles guy, you know, and I can carry the big belt. I remember, you know, my tag team partner getting into wrestling. He said he wore the VHS out on that, watching it again and again and again. And that was a garden match. Bret the Hitman Hart versus Mr. Perfect for the Intercontinental title at SummerSlam 91. Nice block there, that move. Oh, he's got that hole. Half applied on the canvas. He's turning the ball up. for Cobbler. The sharpshooter. He's got it. Andre the Giant and Paul Orndorff versus Roddy Piper yeah, and I Bob Orton at the Garden. Paul Orndorff standing next to Andre the Giant. Yeah. You know, one thing that stood out, stands out to me about uh, Paul Orndorff is his robes. 
He was close, you know, he, like yeah, he was close to as far as like Ric Flair with those number wonderful robes that he always had. Uh, don't forget Greg Valentine. Here's the thing about the Garden that I miss. He was a Garden mainstay. There was but, it was a big deal that, and luckily I got to become friends with him later on. Halfway through the show, it was a huge deal when Howard Finkel would walk out to the ring, and all he was literally going to do was announce next month's card. This wasn't a restroom break. This wasn't a concession stand break because during that the show they were already setting up for what we're going to do next month. So if something happened like, oh man, I wonder what's going to happen if those two ever face each other and then Howard Finkel would work that and he's Roddy Piper and Mr. Wonderful, they're not seeing eye to eye right now. So it's next month. Mr. Wonderful, Paul Ondorf will be facing Rowdy Rod, and he would just like animate between how he was going to announce next month's card at the garden and he would get like road warrior pops and all he was doing was announcing the angles that were set up and this was just a house show yeah it was just a house show. it's just a ritual man yeah yeah a shouting ritual We talked about the Cactus versus Triple H. There was a pretty big three-way dance between Kurt Angle, Triple H, again, Triple H, and Chris Jericho. That was another Raw. Again, there was a lot. There was a ton of Raw moments. The one being close to the top of all time was the first time Stone Cold actually got his hands on Vince McMahon and really created Mr. McMahon character because Brett had shook him up and stuff, but he was still staying in character that I'm just, you know, goofy Vince McMahon, the announcer. But after he took that stunner, that's after he was never goofy Vince McMahon after that. And that was at the garden. And man, the roof blew off that. They say the roof blew but I remember watching it on TV. I remember people talking about it. Oh my God, I hope he finally gets his hand. Everybody wanted to see Vince McMahon get his. To make you or the World Wrestling Federation happy, hell, I feel like Cool Hand Luke. I'll work within your stupid little system. That's all these people ask. I appreciate the fact that you and the World Wrestling Federation care. And I also appreciate the fact that, hell, you can kiss my ass. What Stone Cold did and what wrestling and Vince's brain did at that time, I don't know if it was that that he used to his advantage. Because after that, Stone Cold... Undertaker, they started doing some insane things to each other. Stone Cold filling up Vince's car with cement. That attitude error was really starting to take off, but that was really one of the big shots was at the Garden. And it was a terrible bump, too. I mean, not as bad as Linda McMahon or Donald Trump's bump of getting the stunner, you know, because those two took... The two worst stunners of all time were Linda McMahon and Donald Trump. But that first one that Vince took was really awkward, like really awkward when he took that stunner. But nobody cared because it was just like, wow, finally somebody hit this guy. For years and years, people were just like, I'm tired of this goofy fuck. And then Stone Cold was the one that crossed the line and really created that Vince McMahon character. To watch the evolution of Vince McMahon, like, I remember him, and he tried his little stint as a wrestler. He had a title run, and Jimmy Snuka didn't. He won a Royal Rumble, and Andre the Giant didn't. I mean, he's. I mean, I guess it's when it's your toys, you get to pick the games. Think about what you just said, right? He had a title run, Jimmy Snuka 
Chicago Bears, when they had that impressive season, Walter Payton, Chicago Bears, you know, those 85 Bears, you know, making songs and everything. Walter Payton did not get an opportunity to score a touchdown in that game. And he passed away, and it still haunts Mike Ditka to this day that he didn't even think about that. Vince at the time was only thinking about, you know, how can I get my name? He's got that little corny wobble, you know? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, no, he was always just thinking of the next thing. He always made it where his company was bigger than any one person. Now that's really all it is. They'll sell a WrestleMania, and you won't even know what the card is. All right, Andrew, before we let you go, I got to ask you, you as someone who grew up in New York, who would be your Mount Rushmore of professional wrestlers at Madison Square Garden specifically. You have to go with Bruno San Martino. Then you, you definitely have to go with The Rock, Hulk Hogan. I'd have to say Stone Cold. Stone Cold. And, That's a good one. And, That's solid. Um, like if I had to throw one more in there. Before I did the, the research coming up to the show, I would not have added him. But doing the research, I would add him and would agree that Triple H. Like if if there was two people in contention for that final spot, Triple H could be one of those. Yeah, I totally can see that kind of revolving around that garden. But yeah, you got to have Bruno in there, and you got to have Hogan in there. From that building, they launched errors. You know, Bruno launched that can't miss live event. Hogan launched rock and wrestling can't miss, and then Stone Cold launching that attitude era and then rock just launching wrestling into you know the stratosphere of hollywood all from that building what you just said is 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 a tremendous bridge to everything from that building like you said so you have bruno san martino let's lay the foundation and then you have hulk hogan that we have the foundation let's bring a little flair into it right and so now let's get hollywood in, involved in it going cold let's bring that little guy sitting on the back of his truck having a beer into it it's okay now we have this now let me show you what we can do with all of this just to hear the way that you said it, it was clicking in my head. I'm like, wow. You just sat there and named the people who paved the way. We all watch out of habit, even during the bad times, waiting for that next one. Because we know it'll come. Historically, it's like the Chosen Ones or the the Neos of the Matrix. Like, we know another one's coming because we've seen the ones before. One guy we didn't talk about, Brock Lesnar. Brock had that big match at WrestleMania 20 with Goldberg. Yeah. And then Stone Cold was the ref. You know, there's something about those New York fans. They're educated fans, but they will let you know when they're not happy. That crowd knew that Brock contract expired. They knew that Goldberg's contract was expired. So they knew they were leaving. So they basically booed them out of the building and basically convinced stone cold as the ref like well clearly not going to be happy with a match they both got a stunner just to make that that rowdy new york crowd happy at msg But you say waiting for the next one, not knowing when the next guy is going to be. It's just always about this finding that connection with the audience. And that New York audience always found a way to sniff those guys out and let them know. The garden will always be 
the garden. Well, before you go, I want to give you a chance to uh, to plug your stuff. We had, we needed about another hour for you to talk about. <laughs> so we have the show Monday night, uh, The Truth, with Andrew Washington and Frank Carrera. We do that Monday nights, 10 p.m., Strong Island Network. I have the clubhouse out in East Hampton, where I'm at Thursday through Sunday. I host game nights out there. Bingo at 5 o'clock, and then we do trivia, and then we get into some karaoke. It's a great place to be. I try to explain it to people, and it's an upscale Dave & Buster's. You know, we have all the same things that Dave & Buster's do, but on a higher level. And then I'm into NAX Wrestling. Now, you mentioned Mr. Finkel. I am the Mr. Finkel, um, <laughs> where I'll be doing a lot of the pre-fight, post-fight interviews with the wrestlers. Uh, we're talking about dabbling a little bit, where I'm going to start doing a little training. Remember, I, I asked you about, you know, is this retirement? I'm working a way to bring you out. I just tell you. I got I to gotta get you out one time. <laughs> and I have my magic, which is going great. I just got booked for Vermont, uh, two weekends uh, in Vermont, right next to Okemo Mountain. So I get to do a little skiing during the day and uh, see what the light, nightlife is like, doing some magic at some local restaurants. I, I got to do a, a rap party for Good Friday and a movie with all these other guys. We're talking about getting into some movies. So 2022, I promise, is going to be my year. I said I'm going to either make it in 2022 or I'm just going to be a local magician and staying around town. Great meeting you, man. Great hanging. Hey, man, next time I'll show you a little magic, man. Yeah. Truth with Andrew Washington. Information on local businesses, things to do, current news, sports, and no politics. The type of information you want. The truth. Because I'm going to do something really stupid. I'm going to do something really stupid. I'm going to get you in the ring and we're gonna, I'm going to challenge you. Oh, man. So Frank's going to be. I had a dollar for every time I heard that. No, but we're going to do it for real. Hold on. We're charity? Do it. Well, you Let's can't do hurt it me. Right charity. What? Let's do it right here in this Hold on, hold on. You don't want to go now. Hold on. Hold on. You don't want to go now. Hold on.